You're about to meet Matthew Ferry. And here's the deal. For last year, obviously, we've all been concerned about a disease. And, of course, I contend that our reaction to that which is creating a lot of dis-ease, is probably a lot worse than the condition itself. But either way, a year into what people thought was going to be a two-week lockdown has caused a lot of people to be, how shall we say, out of sorts. And so when it is that producer extraordinaire Ashley suggested we talk to Matthew Ferry, I said, who's that? And she said, you know, the drunk monkey. And I said, what's that? And so as she started to fill me in on this, I thought, you know, this, this is perfect. Just get me a copy of the book. And the book is Quiet Mind, Epic Life. And I've got a link at Raleigh.net, R-O-L-L-Y-E dot N-E-T. Or you go to MatthewFerry.com, which is as simple as it gets. And I've got that linked as well at Raleigh.net. And Quiet Mind, Epic Life will enable you to escape the chaos, so to speak. And you're saying, well, isn't that easy? Well, not if you've tried it. And so before I say anything else, I'll just say hello to, let me get it here, by the way, and we'll take your calls as well on this, but I'll say hello to Matthew Ferry. Matthew, welcome to WGN Radio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm delighted about this. It should be uh, should be very interesting. I read the book, and when I did, there were two books I thought about immediately, and I bet you've read both of them. And one goes back to the 70s, probably 74, Why Aren't You Happy, the Ken Keyes book. And that was the first time I encountered the idea that the sole cause of unhappiness was our addictive demands. Any emotion-backed thought of how things should be is what causes your unhappiness. Now, now, from there, I had read Richard Carlson and Joseph Bailey's Slowing Down to the Speed of Life, where they gave me the idea that there were two modes of thought. One was being in the processing analytical mode, and there are times you have to be, and the other is in the free-flowing mode, but unfortunately, most of us stay stuck in that analytical mode. Most of us have emotion-backed demands, and therefore, we go crazy, so to speak, and more so in the last year than ever. So, what I got out of Quiet Mind Epic Life is a way to tackle both of those to come away with a different perspective. Now, that's so easy to say. How hard is it to do? It definitely takes practice. Your mind is not your friend. I call that all that negative chatter in your head the drunk monkey in your head. And what I find is by just giving it a name, by just saying, oh, wow, there's the drunk monkey again, suddenly you have some separation, and that separation helps you to give up your opinionation. And I will tell you that your opinion is the source of your suffering. And if you would just let go of your opinion, wow, would your life get so much better. Yeah, and as I say, that was the theory of, of Ken Keyes, and then, then later, of course, uh, Carlson and Bailey. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that that's the deal Knowing it and doing it, two different things, but from what you just said, knowing it alone is a weight off your shoulders. Just knowing that you are a survival mechanism that is aware of itself and that the mechanism that, that you are, this, this, men, this thinking that you do, is happening automatically. You didn't ask it to talk. It talks whether you want it to or not. It doesn't really like you. No one else calls you fat or stupid or ugly or, you know, that was bad or you didn't, why did you say that? 
so dumb. Right? If people said that to you, they wouldn't be your friends. But we treat that talking in our head like it is our friend. And just by beginning to say, oh, wow, there's a thing that talks whether I want it to or not. It's not on my side. It doesn't care what I want. It doesn't care about my goals. It doesn't care that I want to be happy. Just acknowledging that is powerful and brings about a, almost an immediate feeling of peace. So I got to ask, because, of course, I agree is hyperactive, but uh, maybe maybe I'm unusual. It's it's rarely about, oh, you're stupid or you're ugly or you're fat or whatever that might be. Mine is more like, I really wish there was someone who could give me all the lyrics to gossip by the Keystoners. And then I'll think about that and I'll say, man, Val Shively produced that record. I wonder how Val is. And on and on it'll go. Uh, my, my mind within 10 minutes will have back to the origin of rock and roll and how Alan Freed screwed up. And, you know, none of it has anything to do with I'm fat, stupid or ugly. It's just just that my literally, I don't get rest from those type of loops that, uh, like someone the other night uh, had said, just uh, relax and say, sleep, sleep, sleep. And I said, you know, that was by Willie, little Willie John. And it's really a shame what happened to him in Walla Walla. And on it went. By the time it was over, I was telling her all about Sid Nathan and King Records. So that's my loop. How do I get out of that? It's, first of all, I don't think you want to get out of that. I think that what what you're describing is free form, creative thinking, uh, free association, and there's there's it's so dreamy. It's so it's such a lovely place to be. <laughs> and the you know the average person is not there. The average person that that you and I meet haven't done all the work that you've done to to get your mind into a place where you can be in that more dreamy free state. You know, most people are spending their time concerned with uh, my future and the future of the nation. And what about my children? Are they going to be okay? And when am I going to see my family again? And, and really, do I have to wear a mask? And how long do I need to be uh, stuck in this house? And I don't want to do another Zoom call. I mean, they just on and on and on and on and on. They're resisting the situation and the way out is to actually practice accepting the situation as it is practice accepting my free association as it is to acknowledge it to appreciate it and and what you'll find is that acceptance plus appreciation leads to gratitude and then gratitude leads to of peace and then a freedom, and then a creativity, and then inspiration and resourcefulness. It's a, it's a really cool process, but it begins with accepting the situation as it is. You practice total and complete acceptance of every situation, yourself, the people around you, the world, your body, your mind, being totally excited about every single record and whatever happened to that artist. You just love it and appreciate it. It's crazy what happens when you start to do that. Well, I'll tell you exactly what happens. I say to myself, I wonder where the hell I left my purse. You know, or <laughs> why exactly did I come to the kitchen? I'll have to retrace my steps and figure out what's in here. Yeah, someone was coming the other day and I had some napkins I wanted to hide. I have no idea where they are. I've looked for three days. So, you know, there, there is You're a downside. You're also describing, though, high consciousness. <laughs> and, and as you go into higher levels of consciousness, uh, the day-to-day -day functionality, the, you know, the normal reflection, of, of memory start to fade because memory really is a survival system. You're not in a survival state 
then you're not hyper-focused on remembering where everything is. And you can just walk into the kitchen freely and just enjoy it and be <laughs> and love it and be at peace and just be like, I have no idea why I'm here. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't call it at peace when that is, but it's just absolutely have no idea. But, you know, as you're, as you're going through this, the first thing that I'm thinking on this is that, man, the universe gave you a good year last year for this because virtually everybody, even, even those quiet thinkers, to some degree are on edge because for maybe the first time in their existence, they really have no idea what's coming. Now, it can be argued none of us ever have any idea what's coming, but we have that false sense of our ducks being in a row. But now, with what's been going on, most people have no idea what's going to happen with the economy, have no idea what's going to happen with the government, have no idea what's going to happen with their job, and on and on, you name it. And so that's a place that it's almost as if the universe has delivered them all of their fears on one silver platter. And I would assume that people who maybe had been grappling with getting through things on a daily basis are now hitting that wall where they'd better reassess. Well, you know, breakdown is the beginning of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And if you look at breakdown, disaster, um, failure, if you look at these, these situations in your life, what you see is they're just one component of the timeline. And destruction and creation, same thing, it just have different places in the process. And so as we go through this, this you know, quote-unquote disaster that we're in, this and slow motion that we're all experiencing, the, the person who's practicing the quiet mind epic life process begins to shift their context and they start to say, this breakdown is the beginning of some breakthrough. Huh, I wonder what that is. I wonder what is coming out of this because the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. So there's a context. For example, if they go and download my, my free app on the App Store, they can go to day 17 of my daily practices. Mm-hmm. And in that, there is a, a process in which I take you through embracing and celebrating breakdown and disaster as the, the beginning of that next breakthrough, that next big leap in their life. And your your website is interesting. You've got the 30-day opinion diet and free meditations and, and a number of things. And one of the things that, that comes out in uh, in your book is uh, is basically the opposite of what we say when we're going to the movies or whatever. We're saying suspend disbelief and just, just watch the show. Well, in this case, it's almost suspend belief and just, uh, just follow along. And so what I would say is that uh, I would advise people to try it. Uh, more uh, more than anything else, because there are people who will resist uh, even the concept, and it's a very interesting one, and it will work. And we're talking to Matthew Ferry, and it's MatthewFerry.com. I've got links to that on Raleigh.net and links to the book as well. And your questions and comments are welcome, too. And yes, we'll meet the drunk monkey, of course. How could we not? And more coming up on WGN Radio. We're talking with Matthew Ferry, MatthewFerry.com, or go to Raleigh.net. I've got a link to that, as well as to the book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life. And I think if you will suspend, uh, I won't say your fears, because right there people are going to react to that and say, I don't have any fears. But if you will suspend uh, belief, as it were, and your uh, deep-seated beliefs, and maybe look at it another way, you'll be surprised what you might get out of that. And so, Matthew is joining us, and since I played little David Wilkins, I, I gotta ask, explain the drunk monkey. 
Well, one monkey don't stop no show. Uh, you know, the drunk monkey is a little nickname that I came up with back in the day. I had a mentor who was telling me, I think I was 21 maybe at the time. He was saying, you know, you want to think of your mind like a monkey. And I, you know, I was 21 and I was partying and I was crazy. And, and I thought, wow, you know, my mind is not like a My mind is wasted. My mind is an obnoxious drunk insane monkey and of course uh english was not really my forte at that time probably should have been the drunken monkey but it ended up being the drunk monkey and then i told all kinds of people about it and it stuck so the drunk monkey is just that nickname that that i have for the negative chatter in your head and it turns out it's kind of like your gps on your phone monkey has one objective and that is survival and it's always going towards survival the only problem is raleigh most of us are not actually in a survival situation. Most exactly. of us are trying to live a good life and just have a good life and do well with my kids and do well with my family and, and you know, go on vacation and enjoy, enjoy my life. We're not, we're not actually in situations like our ancestors were. But our programming, what we came in with, is really designed for keeping us alive in negative and degrading situations. So if you listen to the GPS, that drunk monkey in your head, it's always saying go left, even though you're saying, well, wait a second, over here's all the good stuff right. And it's saying, yeah, but there's all that negative stuff too. We need to turn left. And you have to learn how to ignore the drunk monkey and listen to it like it's a mechanism. Yeah, I love the phrase, by the way, uh, grammar aside, it's just catchy, and of course it's it's worked for you, but a lot of people, as soon as they hear it, uh, can relate. They understand that maybe their self-talk is is like a drunk monkey, so I, I get that. Now, in your book, you talk about that we're sort of programmed for survival, and uh, anyone who doubts that just needs to be in a near-miss car wreck and watch the adrenaline surge through their body. It's, it's automatic. We obviously are in fight-or-flight mode, uh, certainly physiologically, in terms of psychologically, one of the things that you said is we are all afraid of death. Now, while I agree with that physically, I'm not the least bit afraid of death. I'm ready for the next go-around. So uh, in terms of, of, of fear of death, is that a pervasive issue? Absolutely, but, you know, you know, you're you're probably you're probably not the target market for the the basic process of of going into a quiet mind state. You're probably more of a prospect for the advanced part of going into a quiet mind state. Most people they they don't say I'm I'm afraid of death, but uh, if somebody speaks out and says, "Hey, you're a jerk," and blah 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 blah. They have a they have a negative reaction, like if they're uh, near uh, in the car, they have a they have stress or anxiety or a reaction. Anger. And why? Because ultimately we want to fit in. We don't want to make waves. We don't want others to think ill of us. Why? Because we're pack animals. We want to make sure that we are operating harmoniously with the other human beings around us. Why? Because in the past that has been a very successful way that we've stayed alive track back if we if you and i are talking and we talk about anything that bugs you what we could discover if we just keep asking questions is that ultimately it's some aspect of survival it's not some ominous thing like i'm going to get hit by a car but it's more subtle 
Like, I need the people around me to appreciate me in order for me to gain an advantage or get benefit. And the drunk monkey is good at stuff. It has what I call unconscious reflexes. So it's forecasting the negative because the drunk monkey literally thinks it's psychic and it can predict the future. It has the desire to fit in. It's always trying to look good and be appreciated and be smart. It holds the people accountable to agreements that they never made. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the drunk monkey literally thinks that everyone should behave the way that you them to behave no oh, bingo it's yeah. arrogant yeah that that's that emotion back demand again that that uh, that addictive thinking we're uh, we're talking with matthew ferry and it's a fascinating conversation and you know beneath it all where i'm coming out is with the uh, with the four letter f word that would be fear and we'll pick it up right there i'm raleigh james it's wgn radio we're talking to matthew ferry matthew quiet mind epic life and it is a good read and never probably more timely than now to get involved with this because most likely there is a drunk monkey in your life, particularly with regard to forecasting the future. And uh, Matthew, I think more than anything else, that was what spurred me to say, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's talk to this guy because I think that, again, it's a myth, but most people think they have a somewhat of a handle on the future. And now... Now, everything's out the window, and so I would assume this is drunken monkeys on steroids. And uh, I had uh, John, who's screening calls, came in, and he said, well, you know, if they were monkeys, they'd be calling. And uh, I said, yeah, what, what do you call a bunch of monkeys? What, what are they? Uh, and I said, Congress is baboons, which says everything, but apparently a bunch of monkeys are a barrel or possibly a troop. But in any event, we will ask our monkeys not to call because John is going to the store to buy me the tabloids for next hour for slime from the checkout line. And all that is to say we're back to Matthew Ferry. All right, so (laughs) you can see exactly how my mind works, uh, Matthew, sorry to say. But uh, I I don't think there's ever been a better time than right now for people to get to that low point, if you will, uh, where they're saying, help, I I need need some uh, some help here and so let's uh, let's talk about that in terms of your website you talk about uh, the 30-day opinion diet tell me about this well you know there's so much monkey business yes. happening uh, that it creates this agitation and and here's the thing Raleigh is the the world isn't yucky it's our perspective about it world isn't anything until we call it something. And we get to decide what we call it, but we have to have the presence of mind to do that. And, and what I find is that's really hard. It's really hard when we have all these inputs coming in. And one of the things that I recommend that people do on a regular basis is just go on an opinion diet and an input diet. So one, stop commenting on government officials and their decisions. You cast your vote. You did your job. Now, If you're going to get involved, then get involved. But most people aren't getting involved. They're just complaining and moaning. And they're creating their own suffering because it turns out your opinion is the source of your suffering. Step two, you you stop giving your opinion about the crisis and how it's affecting the world. Because, first of all, I think we need to get a grip. We have no idea what's actually happening. All we have is our absurdly limited view that's based on biased information sources that really just match with our confirmation bias. We like people don't like listening if they don't have a bias towards 
practicing total and complete acceptance. They think I'm annoying. Stop pretending like you're the authority how life is supposed to be. You're not the ruler of the universe, but boy, oh boy, does the drunk monkey think that it is. There's 7.3 billion people on the planet. Pretty much every single human being thinks that they are an expert on how everybody is supposed to act. And yet it's one of the biggest places of suffering. And then finally, practice accepting those things that you cannot change and instead start focusing on the stuff you can change. So stop giving your opinion. Stop listening to people's opinion. Stop commenting and start focusing on accepting. And when you do, all of a sudden, a whole new set of options opens up for you. I think that where we are at this point in time is that a lot of the people who are manifesting emotions that can be labeled in a variety of ways, it all comes down to fear. And uh, to an extent in your book, you're, you're saying that's the genesis of everything anyway. But right now, people are at that tremendously fearful pitch. And uh, they believe that something is tremendously wrong. And of course, what that might be will vary person to person. As you say, they've got, they've got their own ideas. But when you're when you're firmly convinced that life is not how it should be, uh, whatever that means, uh, how do you rise above that? Well, I think that it starts with practicing acceptance. You begin by looking around and figuring out, well, what are the things that I can accept? What can I recognize? Oh, I don't actually know anything about this, but I have an opinion about it. Oh, wait a second. I don't actually have any expert knowledge on this, but I have an opinion, and my opinion is making me miserable. To recognize that you're not psychic, you don't know the future, but the drunk monkey in your head, it's convinced that it knows the future. It's, it's Looney Tunes in there, Raleigh. It literally forecasts how the world is going to be, and it has no idea. By the numbers, even today, by the numbers, the world is getting better in almost every single way. By the numbers. Do we have a pandemic? Yes. Is that putting a little chink in our armor? 100% it is. Is it really hurting a lot of people? Yeah, it is. But if you step way back and you look at the situation and you actually look at the data, you start to realize, oh, wait, yes, we're in a little bit of a down cycle right now. But overall, we're in a massive up cycle in our existence for human beings. It's interesting because, of course, apart from the pandemic, is a shift that society has been undergoing uh, since the advent of digital technology, which really we can go back to the Industrial Revolution for the start of it. And if we look at it, there have probably been only two paradigm shifts other than fire, which was maybe divine intervention, but the advent of the wheel and now the buildup to digital. It is absolutely life-changing on the outside for for people on, on the earth. And with it, of course, change is one of those words that uh, is just terrifying to a lot of people, obviously. But uh, with it is some fallout that people are not comfortable with. Obviously, right now, economically, we're in a position where, thanks, thanks to technology, we actually have more people available to do jobs, and there are jobs available for 
How that will turn out remains to be seen, but it is a it is a paradigm shift. And so one of the things that I see is a lot of people are uncomfortable with any change in the status quo. Now, I always kind of look at it like we're living in the mall of life. We're going shopping and everything has a price tag and rarely is that price tag financial. And uh, we can moan about how our privacy is being eroded, but that's the price of being able to do things digitally online at a distance, for instance, taking stock of that. But for many people, just the changes that are happening now are enough to derail them. All of the things outside of themselves are no longer phony though they may be, something that they can hang on to. So are you seeing that people are getting to that point of their last nerve where they're saying, I got to find another way? Or are we right now still in a model of frustration building? Gosh, I hope that people get to a place of absolute despair and and um, arg and anger and upset. Yeah, because negativity is the way. Negativity is the way to positivity. Right, but do you th- do you think it. do you think we we are almost at that tipping point where it's going to be so bad that people will in fact step outside of themselves and say I got to find another way or are we going to see say revolt in the streets first? I mean, how how tied to their own uh status quo do you think society in general is? I don't really have an opinion about the the whole group, but what I will say is that you see the the glimmers of hope. You see the change. You see people waking up to I've got to do something new. The world is changing around me, and I'm going to I'm going to rework the way that I think about myself, my kids, my life, my job, my work. You see people automatically going through that. Some of us are going to go through slow. Some of us are going to go through fast. That's just the way life works. The question for our listener is, which group do you want to be in? And I will say that dealing with the worst case scenario, like getting as negative as you possibly can, is the most rapid way to getting back to peace. So what I recommend that people do is they assess their life. And they just face it. They just say, these are the things that have been bugging me and that I'm afraid of and that I think might go wrong. And they take it all the way because, you know, the drunk monkey, the drunk monkey's crazy. The drunk monkey flashes the worst, most negative situations in your mind. So go there. Go there fully and completely. Really, really think through the negative and then make a plan. If the negative happens, what will I do? Not how will I avoid the negative? If the worst thing that I've been dreaming of actually happens, what is my plan? The moment you come up with that plan, all of a sudden, Raleigh, you're like this. <gasps> okay. Right. I can see that because it's it sort of like gives you the you goal. You put that glass, that, that glass thing on the wall, right, that you can smash with a hammer. It's like, yeah. if, in case of an emergency, smash this. Uh, that's I, I can absolutely see that that's almost a liberating thought. Now, it's interesting because when I go through what's the worst that can happen, invariably, if, if I'm concerned about something and I talk about what's the worst that can happen, I'll do that to, the, to its final point and I'll realize, 
Well, that's not so damn bad. No reason to worry about that. And, <laughs> exactly. and so, so, you know, it, uh, it sort of self-resolves when, when you go there. And uh, it's, it's, it's like a Borscht Belt bad joke. And uh, you, can, you can do that all day. One of the things that's interesting in the book is the hidden motives to survive. And you, you point out the 10 of them, and we'll go over that, as well as the role of applied kinesiology. So a lot to talk about in the next 10 minutes or so. And we will do that with Matthew Ferry, who I will continue to hog. And that is Matthew ferry.com or of course it's all on raleigh.net as well and i i say get the book you're you're probably if you're willing to look at this with even half an open mind going to walk away probably feeling better just from knowing that there's some tools out there now what makes the cc radio 2e a better radio Oh, let me count the ways. It is. It's just a wonderful radio. And, you know, I've heard from many of you on the air as well as from email talking about it is just great. But the the litmus test is take two radios, the average radio you've got, and a CC2E. Tune to a weak AM station, for instance, and put them side by side. You'll know why it's better. The CC Radio 2E is one of the best radios made today. You will hear things with more clarity. You will hear things that the average radio might not pick up at all. It's not just AM, it's FM too. But not only that, you will hear it with full fidelity. You'll say to yourself, how the heck is this coming out of a radio speaker? You know, just a small portable radio speaker. And it is a marvel, but it's all that and more. Now, danger, danger, Will Rogers. The danger of all this is if you're a radio fan and you go to the Sea Crane Company website, you're going to find something you got to buy. Oh, it's like that. Yeah, I've got one of each. Yeah, you go to ccradio.com, ccradio.com, or ccrane.com. They both wind up in the same place. Look around and check out the CC Radio 2E. It is just terrific. And you know, when you're buying a radio, you want something that you're going to be able to rely on for years. And by the way, not only clarity, not only the ability to DX pick up distance stations, not only will you hear it better, but hey, it's got a weather radio and an alert as well so you can use it as your emergency radio reminds right by the bed and it just uh, it's my one-stop shopping place for listening now if you can't go online for some reason well you can order by phone and that's a 800-522-8863 800-522-TUNE now if you want you can also get them on amazon you'll get uh, quick and free shipping if you're an amazon prime member but either i think you get free shipping from the sea crane company too by the way but either way if you are online go to c ccrane.com or ccradio.com and you look at this 2E you won't be sorry you tell them Raleigh sent you it's the Sea Crane Company and this is WGN Radio Quiet Mind Epic Life by Matthew Ferry who we are lucky enough to be talking to tonight is that he'll put it into a perspective that really drills it down to uh, a way that you can deal with some of these devils and not only that you can name them uh, such as the hidden motives to survive now hopefully people will check out your website because you've got free meditations for all of them and uh, and that but there's 10 of them and what's the likelihood that each of us has at least one of these hidden motives matthew uh, it's 100% that each of us has all 10 running. It just depends on the situation and on what kind of survival mode we need in that moment. So it, it, let's say I'm in a situation, I'm at a party and I, and I'm feeling a little bit insecure. Well, pride is a phenomenal tool in that situation to help me have a little bit of courage. Or maybe I'm at that party and I really don't want to be there and I don't really want people to know what's going on with me. Well, Trader is a phenomenal survival tool in that situation. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. It As you're saying that, I was recounting a story about an old R&B group once that I had to MC at, at this event, and it turned out they stole the tablecloths. I think they thought they were getting something better. But as uh, as I was reading this, I said, well, that's greed. <laughs> you know, that's in greed. And, yeah, absolutely. And of course, victim is a big one that I think everybody recognizes, because most people who play victim roles do it so overtly. It's so blatant. And uh, I always looked at victim uh, not so much as a survival mechanism. It's interesting you put it that way. I always see victim is that is a self-limiting role because by playing the victim, you right there are guaranteeing that you will not have a satisfactory life. And uh, I assume that what we're talking about in all of these is that that's what it comes down to every one of them, whether it's a lazy or resistance or traitor. I love traitor, by the way, or illogical rules or, or grudge. So in the end, I assume that this being the work of the drunk monkey, all of these are not our survival tools that matter. These are our undoing. Yeah, it's, it's more like our ancestors thrived a.k.a. survived, because they developed these things through time. And, and through evolution, we can see that even animals display or they display pride or traitor or they follow some illogical process that doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't provide them with any kind of benefit, but they follow it anyway because they were genetically predisposed to that. It was passed down. And human beings have that same thing. Our, our evolution has come from our thoughts, and our evolution has come from passing it down. It's come from our genes, our environment, et cetera, et cetera. And these particular processes, uh, which I call the hidden motives to survive, are running the show in almost any situation where you aren't feeling excited, happy, lit up, energized, joyous. If, if you aren't feeling that, it's likely you've got pride or greed, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, lazy, resistance, hatred, grudge. Boy, we got a lot of hatred running these days with that pandemic. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, In Chapter 16, Avoiding Failure, that's interesting as well, because I never saw failure as something to avoid. Uh, You look at any real success, and usually you'll find out that there were dozens of failures before they, they hit on it. But I do know people who their biggest fear is that they'll be fired from their job and people will find out about it. And, of course, you know, I'm in radio. If you haven't been fired from your job, there's something wrong with you. But in other uh, other professions, uh, it is amazing how many people are operating on that, that self-protection mode. And I guess what we're seeing now is it's ramping up to a degree that even people who were relatively coping, maybe not with the excellent life they wanted, but with a life worth living, they're now getting to a point where the drunken monkey has taken over. And by taking up the rapid enlightenment process, you literally rapidly enlighten. And rapidly enlightening just simply means you you gain a new awareness that all is well, that you're okay, that you're going to be okay, your family's going to be okay, and that the world goes through these gyrations. You're going to go up and down and all around But in the end, if you just look at your life, you've always made it work. You've always made it, you've always made it through. And all the fears and all the doubts and all the uncertainty and all the, 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 the forecasting and the negative turned out to be moot points. 
Yeah, you know, as you know, the old phrase, uh, even in the worst of times, some people will thrive. And at this point, I guess the challenge is for making that some person be you. And Quiet Mind Epic Light is a great place to start. And you, you've written it well from the standpoint of really hitting it from somebody who will be resistant and who will say, well, no, this is not for me. Uh, you, uh, you hit them over the head with it in a way that hopefully most people will come away saying, well, let me try something else. And so thank you for writing this and for joining us. Oh, thank you for that. I really, really enjoyed the process, and I love talking about it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good luck on the book.